Badger's Arena, Kalinka, Knox Games, it is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 804 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer. Today, we are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, we have a pair of giveaways uh, that I need to readdress before we get to Brendan Batchelor. Very quickly here. One, it's the big football game prize pack, which includes a table for six, a $100 gift card, and the chance to hobnob with Sportsnet 650 personalities uh, at the Clayton Public House on Sunday, February 11th. Are you Dan Riccio? No, that's not me. Sunday, Are you Dan Riccio? You can ask everyone in the bar. <laughs> Eventually, I don't even know if right. is going. I think, well, he's got to be there now. We've put his name out there. Oh, okay. um, we got to make stuff up about what they're going to be doing there. Like last year, yeah. like Randy fought a bear, apparently. <laughs> We didn't yeah, make right. that up. He Dan did. juggled chainsaws. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. dangerous, but rewarding. He's going to swallow fire. <laughs> uh, so Sunday, February 11th, the big football game. If you want to win the prize pack, send in a what we learned, 650-650, hashtag it WWL, and a football emoji. We're also giving away tickets to see the Canucks and Leafs on Saturday, this Saturday, January 20th. If you want to win those tickets, put a ticket emoji into your text. Hashtag it, what we learned. Someone in the text inbox uh, gave us a heads up to check out the Leaf schedule over the next little while. Okay. They go, uh, they're in Edmonton tonight. Okay. <laughs> Tuesday. That's a tough game. Uh, they're in Calgary Thursday. That's a tough game. They're in Vancouver Saturday. That's the toughest game. And then they play back-to-back Sunday in Seattle. And then they return home for one against Winnipeg. <laughs> and then they go to Winnipeg. That is a... Buzzsaw. I told we you were, guys. Because we were talking about, yeah. you know, could the Leaf fall out of a playoff position? <laughs> the way they're playing right now, they've lost three in a row. I don't know what the hell's going on in goal. I imagine Martin Jones is going to have to play all those games. The rest of the season, I think it's the third or fourth toughest schedule points percentage-wise in the NHL. Oh, of all God, the I want, them, I want them to miss now so badly. Yeah, oh, I, for one, God. would relish I just the got opportunity. Inv- I just got invested in it. Yeah, I Very would relish invested. the opportunity to watch him collapse. Uh, let's go to the phone lines now. Our next guest will be on the call for that game on Saturday against the Leafs. It's Brendan Batchelor here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? Good morning. How's it going? Uh, we're good. I, I'm assuming you're good. I'm assuming the Canucks are good because they're done with that lengthy road trip. They finished up in Columbus. They got to go home, and Rick Tockett said it was a hell of a trip. Uh, I'm assuming you would share the same sentiments after a 5-1-1 one, one swing. Even though it was bookended with losses, still a pretty impressive performance from the Canucks over that trip. Oh, absolutely it was. And the fact that they beat all the the most challenging teams that you would have projected on that trip, right? Like the toughest games, the, the Rangers and, and the Devils, although the Devils were pretty injury-plagued, um, you know, and the Penguins, those, those are impressive wins for me. And the way they won them was very impressive. And, you know, yeah, they looked a little bit out of gas yesterday in Columbus after the long trip and all their, their travel snafus and everything like that. But Still found a way to get a point. Very well could have won that game as well. And then we'd be talking about a 6-1 and one trip. So 11 of a possible 14 points 
uh, you're never going to, you know, give those points back. You're never going to say, now nah, we, we wish it would have been better. That's a, a really good road trip on your longest road trip of the season. And now you get to come home for five straight heading into the all-star break. And to be honest, the, the rest of the schedule is very home heavy. They've got a season long nine game homestand coming up in March. And, um, you know, looking at that homestand at the start of the season, I, I always said, Either that is going to be a great opportunity for them to solidify their position if they've had a good first portion of the season, or it's going to be a really long uh, homestand if they've had a tough first part of the season and they're out of the race. And they are certainly not out of the race leading the pack right now. So, um, you know, you talk about how the Leafs schedule is tough. The fact, the fact that the Canucks have so many home games left this season, I think mm-hmm. is really going to play into their favor down the stretch. So the Canucks next five games against the surprising Arizona Coyotes on Thursday. Coyotes have been much better than everyone expected, although I'm still not sure you call them a good team. Then the Leafs coming into town on Saturday. Monday, it was supposed to be Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks. It'll be the Chicago Blackhawks and nobody you'll recognize. Uh, and then St. Louis comes to town on Wednesday, and then they finish it up Saturday, January 27th against Columbus. They'll be looking for revenge against the Blue Jackets. And then, as mentioned, they go into the All-Star break, so they'll get some much-needed time off. Well, most of them will, although a lot of them will be headed to Toronto for the All-Star game. Um, I was thinking about this last night, and not to focus too much on the Pedersen contract, but... How much do you think Petey is looking forward to going to the All-Star game and doing like the media thing where he is going to be front and center and asked about his contract status? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's looking forward to it tremendously, uh, <laughs> say, sarcastically. Like, <laughs> knowing Elias Patterson and knowing um, you know, how much he, he you know, doesn't like to talk about that stuff and, and you know, is not the biggest fan of, of his media obligations, shall we say, um, you know, uh, I will be very interested to see how he handles that weekend, assuming that there isn't any progress made between now and then in terms of his contract extension, because, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the national media will ask him those questions. It will be something he has to talk about. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't had to talk about it more to this point in the season. And I think it comes back to something we talked about early in the year um, where I said, you know, if you win on the ice, the off ice storylines kind of go away because everybody wants to focus on how well you're playing on the ice. And I think that has happened, but the closer we get to the trade deadline and the longer it's, you know, the, the longer it goes without Pedersen having that extension in place, the more those storylines are going to come to the forefront because as much as this team has had a great season this season and, you know, everybody's excited for a potential playoff run and what are they going to do at the deadline to complement this core group, um, you know, you have to start thinking about where this core group is going in the in the event that Pedersen does not stay in Vancouver and, and what management may have to do in terms of, uh, figuring out his contract or potentially trying to move on from him if they're unable to figure out his contract extension. So, How dare um, you even suggest that? We would never do well, that on our show. How dare you? Are you just doing... <laughs> this is classic Brendan Bachelor clickbait. It's like you work for TMZ or something like that. What's going on, yes, Bachelor? Do you even suggest another, this? Another one of the negative Vancouver media, right? So, <laughs> um, no, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying if that is the way it goes... Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, the hockey club, I think the hockey club would like answers about it. And we've seen that from their messaging over the last week that, um, you know, it, it kind of affects how they approach the trade deadline to a certain extent. I'm sure it affects, you know, the other business they can get done in terms of extending Heronic and, you know, a lot of their depth players are pending free agents that will potentially be due for raises as well, like Dakota Joshua and Teddy Bluger, just to name a couple. So, you know, the, the longer the Pedersen contract goes unsigned, the more it kind of prevents the Canucks from making some of those long-term decisions. And again, we'll see what Pedersen wants in the end. I know there have been, you know, rumors with varying degrees of legitimacy about what his desire is, but the Mm -hmm. fact of the matter is from Pedersen's mouth, he has never said he doesn't want to be in Vancouver, but at the same time, the longer he goes without signing the contract, the more of these questions are going to, fester and, and continue to be a part of the narrative. Well, Pat Persson said he was going to reach out to his client um, after this road trip um, when the Canucks were back home and see if he wanted to talk um, and there could be an opportunity to talk during that All-Star break. The Canucks play Saturday, January 27th and then don't play again until February 6th in Carolina. So there is a window, in theory, to have some talks. Um, let's move on from the Pedersen situation. Um and go right into the Kuzmenko situation because I actually thought he played pretty well yesterday in Columbus, and um, I think it was noteworthy that he actually played significant minutes in the third period and then got a shift in overtime and nearly scored. Now, I don't know if this is Rick Tockett looking at his team and going, man, everyone's so tired, I don't want to overplay any guys, so I'm just going to keep rolling the lines out there. Um, but I wonder more and more about this guy, Kuzmenko, because his cap space might be the cap space that the Canucks use to make improvements to the team ahead of the trade deadline. Agree? Yeah, I mean, I do just because, you know, if they need to find cap space, there's only so many places they can find it. And that's a, a pretty obvious place. You know, the the way the blue line's playing right now, I, I guess you could move off someone like, Tyler Myers to create a a similar amount of cap space. But that said, you know, you like the depth you've got on the blue line right now. I think him and Susie have played relatively well together throughout this road trip. And, you know, you can never have too many defensemen as we know in Vancouver. So I'm not sure if that's the guy I'm looking to move. And so, you know, if you need to, you know, create a significant amount of cap space to bring in an impact player, and we've heard Jim Rutherford talk about hoping to acquire a top six forward, then, you know, there's there's only so many directions they can go. And, and to me, it really points to the fact that they might have to move off Andre Kuzmenko, which is not something I ever thought I would be saying coming off his 39-goal <laughs> season last year. But at the same time, I never thought I'd be talking about the Canucks at the top of the NHL standings in January, and, and that's where we are. So um, life moves fast, as Jason Botchford used to say. And uh, for Kuzmenko, I think uh, it's moved fast in the wrong direction here, where it is, to me, now a legitimate thing that we could see before the deadline that Kuzmenko is no longer a Vancouver Canuck. And, you know, as much as I agree that, you know, he's played a little bit better over the last couple of games, he still doesn't have any points in eight games playing on what is essentially the second line. And, you know, at some point you look at that spot in the lineup and you say, is Tockett going to trust Kuzmenko in key moments down the stretch and into the playoffs? Uh, is Kuzmenko going to start producing or is this just a, a down year for him? And is there someone else that they could put in that spot 
that would give them more offensive pop than what Kuzmenko has been able to give them. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. There's still a, a long way before the deadline and lots of things that could change and Kuzmenko could heat up and figure things out. And, you know, you never know what could happen. But standing here right now, trying to figure out how they'll create enough salary cap flexibility to bring in a relatively impactful forward the you know the all all signs seem to point to a guy like Kuzmenko as someone they might have to move on from if you had your choice would the Canucks add a center or a winger uh, a center but i also think that that is much harder to get done in the you know the the trade market prior to the trade deadline unless you're willing to go for a a pure rental which at this point you know with the way this team has played you might as well um but I'm not sure what the organization wants to prioritize in terms of do they want someone that maybe they could keep around here long term um, or are they just going to try and focus on making this team this year as good as it possibly can be to, you know, try and go on as long of a playoff run as possible? Because, you know, there are guys that that could be on the market, you know, uh, Elias Lindholm you know, kind of jumps to mind as someone that might fit in that spot pretty well. But with the Canucks salary cap situation, it's probably not something that you could expect that they would be able to extend Lindholm long-term with some of the other contracts they have to get done. So um, I think we'll learn a lot about what management is prioritizing if and when they do make a move to bring in a forward, because there are, are different ways they could go in terms of, bringing in a player that they might think could fit here for longer than just this year, or whether they say, look, let's just go for a rental and then we'll sort everything out after the season based on what happens and, and what shakes loose with some of our other contracts. Batch, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the next couple of days off and uh, have a good call on Thursday against Arizona. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk next week. Yeah, thanks, Bratz. We appreciate it. That's Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks right here on the Halford & Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, uh, we're going to do some What We Learns. I've got some. I've got multiple. Laddie's got some. Do you have some, Bruff? Yeah. Are you? I have one. Okay, I'm going to start, and then Bruff's going to go on. I think we're going to go to Laddie after the break when we reset, and then we're going to give away all this cool stuff that we have for the listeners. Uh, I've actually got a two-parter. They're kind of related, but kind of not. Anyway, the first thing I learned is that um, the Tampa Bay Lightning are unveiling a Gasparilla-themed jersey in time for the festivities later this month. Does everyone know what this is? Is everyone familiar with this? I know you are, because we were down there for it. Oh, remind me. Tampa Bay. The pirate thing? The pirate thing. Right, okay. In a, it, it kind of, I think it's more of a, a localized thing. I'm not sure a lot of people know about, but um, Tampa is deeply into pirates. They love pirates. They love pirates. I mean, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah, for Buccaneers. a reason. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't realize this, but this is all just like mythical folklore. Like, there's not an actual history of pirates coming and invading mm-hmm. off the coast or whatever. They just really are into pirates. So every January... They have this Gasparilla Festival. There's got to be a pirate story in Florida. Go look it up. It's It's all folklore. Oh, it's all folklore. Yeah. Anyway. um, And when you go down there, if you don't know what's happening, one day you'll wake up in your hotel room and it'll be, why is everyone dressed up like Long John Silver? What's (laughs) going on here? Why is this happening? And they really lean into it. It's pirate cosplay. So the um, Tampa Lightning, and I've seen the jerseys, 
for as weird and I'm not like, <laughs> arr, I'm not really into like pirates. <laughs> yeah, this chair be high, says I. Um, I can see you being into this, Andy. Yes. as a matter of fact, I like pirates. Sure, they're right? fun. I did go. I mean, not the real ones. When I was mailing off the coast of Africa, they're quite dangerous. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm the captain now. You guys pirate. are a lot more not dangerous than I thought you'd yeah. be. Yeah. I was I'll expecting listen. a good time with. I was expecting more sea shanties, yeah. less yeah. Uh, poking, incredibly less jolly than I, I expected. I this have to a, be. I have a question. Where is the parrot? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Rough getting stopped by <laughs> seaside pirates. Yeah. You know, you guys are nothing like the movies <laughs> make you out to be. He's wearing an eye patch, but it's actually for medical purposes. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> now I'll say this: the jerseys are pretty cool. Go check them out. The Tampa Bay Lightning just set, did their big like unveiling. Everything. I'm not a jersey person or a pirate person by trade, so you know that the fact I'm bringing this up means that they're kind of cool. Okay, Mukau, that part of it. Now I learned another, that Halford is not a pirate person. Another NHL story that I didn't see coming. Um, <laughs> The Chicago Blackhawks have just signed Jason Dickinson to a two-year extension. It's worth almost $9 million. Oh, good for him. That's I've awesome. I've never man. seen a better and more yeah, improbable sweet. career turnaround. Yeah. I remember when Jim Benning made that trade to get him. Mm-hmm. And even when it didn't work out, I still defended it because I was like, conceptually. <laughs> it should have worked. It should have worked. <laughs> like He's not a bad hockey player. Yeah. He fit exactly what they needed in the 3C role. It just mm-hmm. didn't work. Yeah. it's the like, We've said this countless times about guys. Sometimes they go somewhere and maybe it's because they got separated from their stuff and they're not comfortable but they go to a city and it just doesn't work i always remember asking yannick hansen why it just didn't work in san jose when he got traded there yeah and his answer was i have no idea <laughs> years later he yeah. said i think about it all the time and i just don't know why it didn't work Chem- chemistry you know he's like there were chemistry guys, fit, but he's, he's confidence like, they played me with a bunch of different forwards we tried everything there were really good hockey players for me to play with right pavelski marlo thornton well, mm-hmm. how, but there's guys that jump into new teams and take off running so how can you be like ah when they do bad it's chemistry and when they do well it's they got chemistry maybe we can ask jason, we should chase jason dickinson there's enough time passed that he come back on Vancouver. That means Radio. try to get him for an interview, not like chase him around. Yeah, like ask him. Jason, like, oh, come back. Hey, yeah. hey, Jason. Hey, you know we just signed a contract, but come back. Yeah, ask him for money. He's quicker know. than he looks. Uh, so he like here's the thing. For as low as it got here, he's now cashed in. Got a two year extension. I think it's four point two five million annually. He's probably going to go to the All Star game, right? Because Connor Bedard's not going to be able to make it. So Dickinson seems like the most likely guy. He has more goals this year. Than John Tavares and Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. It's a great story. So. Isn't he like their first line center though? He's when everything. Not, He's yeah. the face of the franchise for the next. <laughs> uh, on that note, Connor Bedard resumed skating yesterday. Yeah. He apparently, but those are the types of guys you need around, right? You need those veteran guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he's actually healthy. All the other veteran guys, they either got their contracts terminated or injured. So. Skating with a broken jaw. Okay, give yeah. us a moo cow on those back-to-back what we learned. Uh, boom. Uh, for Don't fall on your face. Don't fall on your face. Don't um, fall on your face. That's the entire time Bedard was skating. That's what he was yeah, they, he, he, uh, Luke Richardson said he was begging the doctors to go skate. So they were like, fine, but you got to wear this protective helmet. You can't eat solids yet, but... They yeah. were like, you're not allowed to do slap shots because you're not allowed to quote-unquote clench. Looking good out there, Connor. What was that? What? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you idiot. We made, a hor- job. we made a huge mistake. Okay, go. Uh, I learned that uh, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Caleb Williams has formerly entered the NFL draft. He's going to leave USC after two seasons there, and he is expected, although not guaranteed, but expected to be the first overall pick in the draft. The question is, 
what did the Chicago Bears do with that draft? They got look. They traded out last year. It worked great. Mm-hmm. Trade out again. But what if Justin Stick Fields... Stick with Justin Fields. Yeah. That's a really tough decision. That's Sel- a really tough decision. Selfishly, I want Fields to shake loose so Seattle can get him. Right. right? And Mike yeah. Vrabel comes in as the new head coach. Justin Fields is the new mm. quarterback. I'm excited at that point. There'd be a market for Geno, wouldn't there? Yeah. Gino would land somewhere, for He'd, sure. I mean, it would land somewhere. Gino, I don't know how it would I know, work contractually I know that, with the Seahawks. I know but. 1,000% isn't mathematically... Possible, but he would a thousand percent have a job. I don't know if he'd be a starter, yeah, but he'd be brought in maybe as you compete or you're the trusty. You'd be a hard pressed to find a more trusty backup. So, one of the things with the Seahawks moving on from Pete Carroll is that it throws the quarterback question right up in the air because, and we've talked to Brady Henderson about this. If Pete had been back, Gino's probably back because those two had a great relationship, and Pete. Um, respected Gino a lot. He liked his leadership. He he liked his story. Um, he liked him as his quarterback, and he wanted him to be his quarterback. But now, with the quarterback or the head coaching question up in the air, so too is the quarterback in question. You know what I really um, don't like the carousel this off season. I mean, it's always crazy, right? With teams needing quarterbacks, and they decide, all right, are we going to draft one? Are we in the position to draft one and have one, you know, elite guy jo- joining the team, or do we? Um, do we stick with our guy or do we um, go out uh, onto the market and get, um, you know, a guy that maybe has underachieved me like a Baker Mayfield type of story, that sort of thing. Um, it's going to be just as crazy as it always is. And it, for me, it kind of starts with what happens in the draft and Caleb Williams will be part of the draft. Give me a moo cow on that. You had something you wanted to. Uh, uh, I am terrified about all these things that I'm hearing and reading about how much affinity John Schneider has for Drew Locke. I don't like that at all. I don't like it at all. Yeah. Like, the the dream vision is Mike Vrabel as the head coach and uh, Justin Fields as the quarterback next mm. year. I don't trust Drew Locke anytime he goes back. Like, I know he had that comeback, and everyone's like, that was great. And I loved his story because he hadn't played for a while, and then he goes in and has success. But I'm like, Ugh. You might say that Drew Locke rediscovered his swagger. I would rather Baker Mayfield <laughs> than Drew Locke as my quarterback. He yeah. unlocked his Matt Ladner, ah, what we learned. None nice. of you will watch Justin Fields play football. He's terrible at it. He's not terrible at it. Come on, He's dude. not terrible at it. Come on. Matt Ladner. But the question is, Come can on. he... Can he? You know who's um, terrible at it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> can, he, can he sharpen up his game and kind of n- knock it off with some of those weird decisions that he makes. But he's definitely not terrible. And there's a lot play. of Bears fans that watch him, Matt and Lanner, every day, and they're saying, trade this pick, we should keep Justin Fields. I'm willing to put a little bit of his development on, at the feet of the Chicago Bears organization with the terrible coaching and yeah. <laughs> the constant change of OCs and head coaches and everything else. Well, the la- lack of wide receivers for most of his tenure yeah, and there. They got DJ Moore, and yeah. it got better. They mm-hmm. were better this year. He was yeah. better this year. And anyway, give us some Mookow. We got to go to yeah, break. Yeah, sorry. Send in your what we learns. Leafs tickets are on the line. You're listening to the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. 
what we learn time It's what we learn time On the show 8.34 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff, the morning is brought to, brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. <laughs> I'm just looking at the live stream. Bruff kicking back in the cut, playing on his phone. Are you getting him back for when he rips you for looking at the television? Or? No. I'm, te- I'm texting with Dolly Wall, and it's... Always an interesting experience. It's a roller coaster of yeah, grammar. I thought the, inter- the interviews were interesting. Yeah. Try texting with Can them. I get a copy editor here, please? <laughs> so many exclamation points. <laughs> There's a lot of like big talk, like, and that's the bottom line. Do you ever have? Do you have I'm people like, okay. like that in your lives that text you? Everything ends in an exclamation part point. Like I had a former boss at my old radio job that every text had an exclamation point in it, even if it was just like a normal, hey, how's it going? And it always sounded like he was really angry with me. I could never really tell the vibe of the text because every text sounded mad. Do you you know one of the things that has absolutely killed me, but I think was a smart move, is I, in my corporate communicating, I use more exclamation marks. I embraced it too. Because it makes me sound excited and interested in what that person... Because like before, I'd be like, "Well, I'm not using exclamation mark. It's not appropriate. It's not. It's not grammatically appropriate." There's a Seinfeld episode use, about this. Uh, mm-hmm. What's that? There's a Seinfeld episode. Is there? I'm not exclaiming. I put an exclamation mark here and here and <laughs> yeah, yeah, right yeah. here. Um, but like, so if someone like if I'm emailing with someone who works at the company, and you know, this person is just doing their job. Like, I feel that if I reply, you know, thanks for doing your job um but without the exclamation mark i'm being rude so i go thanks and then i go "Ah," and then i type the exclamation mark in there even though you know i'm not really acting like it but they're like Wow, that Jason guy is really thankful. He replied, "He was that a sarcastic thanks? I yeah, noticed you, you put know, the exclamation mark if at the you end there. It's crazy, though, man. If you send someone a thanks with a period at the end of it, they're like, thanks? Yeah, thanks? Thanks? Uh, I actually had marks. to do my job? Yeah. I'm going to start using question marks. Thanks? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, love the, I, hope, <laughs> I hope this email finds you well. It does not find me well, actually. Oh, and then you, you know what's out? forever now is as per my previous email. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's the most cutting thing you can send someone via email right now. <laughs> as per my previous email? Yeah. Hey, idiot, read it's the sent. email. It's, it's, right. like, it's like the who's this clown, right? Like, Not only is he a clown, he's one of the lesser known clowns. You know, throw- you, you know, what, my, you know what my mom <laughs> does? Um, and so, so a lot of our texts back and forth are like, here's a picture of the cat, you know? Yeah. And she didn't know how to do aw, like aw, Instead of W's, she uses H's, so ah. it looks like she's like, ah! <laughs> Every time I send, I, I had to, and, I had to, and I had to tell her, I was like, it's a W there. And she's still on the H's, though, right? So, like, I'll, I'll text her and be like, eh, a picture of the, the, the cats sleeping together it's, or whatever. It's like, there's, ah! a gen- there's a generational cutoff with the yeah. text. It's funny that he mentions the begrudging acceptance of the exclamation point, because mm-hmm. that was me with LOL. Now oh, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a lol guy. In what, like 1999? Like, no, recently. <laughs> LOL's been I, around for a while. Adults, no, no, no. Adults <laughs> use LOL and it's embarrassing. I and use it all. I, I used to make a point of never using it. Mm-hmm. I was a ha-ha guy through and through. 
<laughs> this is the stupidest conversation. But eventually, everyone lives it, though. Everyone I, lives it. I capitulated what, to the lol people. Not even like, LMAO. I I can't go there. I'm more I can't, of LMAO. I can't go there. I can't go there. I do can't you, LMAO. Do it. you guys get from older people or maybe your parents? Do you still get like the email forwards with like the video file attached? Oh yeah. Yep. And I'm yeah. like, here's how you get a virus, Dad. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, but stop told me clicking to cl- on told those. Me to click there. Stop <laughs> clicking on those. And it's like they send them to me, and I'm, and and they'll be like, "Did you watch that?" I'm like, "I did not." You're clicking through. This isn't about fishing at all. Like you send links to social media. Yeah. And pictures, nothing else. No, like, and you can see like the long, yeah. the long trail of the email too. And it's always like we're having fun down in Palm Desert or yeah. whatever. Like all the retired people that are sending this stuff around yeah. and then they're like I'm going to send this to my son who has a very ironic sense of humor and he's going to love it. He loves comedy. <laughs> and this is the peak of it. Okay. Um here's a slideshow. <laughs> okay, let's Sorry. uh let's focus here. Okay? Uh before we get to the humanoids and give away all the goodies, Laddie has a what we learned. It's a what we laddie. Let's go. Oh wow. I got two goalie what we learned. Yes. Uh, one so of them is a, a name that came up earlier in the show. You were talking about Ken Appleby. Your best friend, Ken Appleby. Yes. They referred to him as Kenneth Appleby in the well, gamer. I was going to say that in this article, they also referred to him as Kenneth. I, I knew it was Kenneth, but it usually it's just Kenneth Ken Appleby the third. Yes. Uh, he almost, Lord Appleby. <laughs> it's been a while since he last played in the NHL. You mentioned he got into the game yesterday. Uh, exactly 2,181 days between NHL appearances. That's Dear the God. seventh longest gap for a NHL goaltender in history. Guys, we haven't mentioned the Cody Hodgson story. I know. You were going to do what we learned yesterday, weren't you? Yeah. Well, Cody Hodgson wants to, to have, Cody have a story. comeback. I, I, At age 34, he's trying to have an NHL comeback. Really? God, yeah. I hope he makes it. That's awesome. That did Fried first reported that? I can't remember who did. I, it, yeah. it, someone sent it along as a what we learned, a humanoid one yesterday. Mm-hmm. We forgot to read it. But yeah, that is pretty crazy. That'll, that'll beat... Kenneth Appleby's streak, but you know who the number one... Maybe he's the Canucks missing piece. (laughs) Do you know who the number one gap is? Uh, A guy by the name of Bob Shampoo in 1973. C-H-A-M-P-O-U-X? Correct. 3,540 days between NHL appearances. A name you might recognize, though, uh, Miko Koskinen went 2,800 days back in 2018. He was one of the solutions, quote-unquote solutions, Edmonton had a net there for a while. That's that's my first what we That was what Chirelli left them with. He's like, peace. Yeah. It was his parting gift. Yeah, it was, it was like, like Koskinen, here's a huge, unwieldy extension. It was like Treliving leaving the Flames with Huberto. That's right. It's like, here you go. Happy trails. And in two years, Treliving will leave the uh, lease with the Kneelander contract. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere he goes, he just leaves these little nuggets behind. Do I need people. a Moocow apple pee? Yeah, Moocow, because you got another one. I got another one. This, this oh, we got to get to the well, list. Well, this is no, a big no, no, old no, one. I want to do this Alfred one. wanted this one. Yeah, I want this one. I want it. <laughs> this is the, uh, it's like a, kind of a remember some guys what we learned, but it's, remember, uh, it's remember their sons, I guess. It's two goalies that were former NHL goalies. Got people always say that. <laughs> what, I love some guys? You know, remember their sons? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a, there's two guys that I was doing my draft prep for the goalies coming okay. up. <clears throat> so these are goalies who had goalies. Yes, correct. Okay. Okay. That are up for the draft now to make everyone feel old. Uh, the name they came out with pads on. Very painful. Vladislav Brizgalov. Does that name ring any bells for you guys? Uh, Vladislav. Yeah, I've heard that name before. Yes. So wait a minute. Brizgalov has a son. Yes. Who's also a goalie. Who's also a goalie. And he's good enough to be draft eligible. He's 31st ranked in North America because he's an American. Right. He Where does up, he play? Uh, he plays in the NCDC, which is a collegiate prep league Never down in the that. northeast of the United States. Mm. Uh, also, another guy up for the draft. It's actually his second year of eligibility, but I'll throw him in there anyway. Uh, Waylon Esch. Oh, really? 
Robert uh, Esch's Esch. son. Robert Esch named guy. his kid Waylon Esch. He named him Waylon. And he's not a country music singer? No. Waylon Esch is not a country music singer. I know That's Waylon. Amazing. That's a good name. Waylon is a good name. Yeah, no, Waylon's a good yeah, name. Smithers! Waylon. Waylon. Bruce Galloff's kid. Yes. That's why. I'll never forget when we were at one of the All-Star games, they had Bruce Galloff kind of doing media. He didn't put a lot of effort into it. But one of the things that he did... Put more effort into parenting, obviously. He went around and asked everyone at the podium, what is it was two plus two times two? You remember that? Yeah. And all the European players got it right because they adhered it's, to the it's principles. order of, of our operations, right? Bed mass. Yeah, yeah. But all the North American players got it wrong. Yeah. I think Ryan Kessler was, I remember, the Ducks, and he's like... Pfft. Two plus two is four, and times two is eight. Yeah. And they were like, no. Kess was actually at 17. <laughs> the answer is L. <laughs> yeah, all the Americans got it wrong, and the Russians got it. Yeah. Got anyway, it right. yeah. that makes me feel old that Brizgalov's kid could get drafted. Moo cow. Okay, fire up the dot matrix. What you've all been waiting for. Two of you will win and countless others will lose. Uh, what we learned, Humanoid Edition is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh my God! We're having a fire plan! Hey dog, it's your time to shine. Let's do the big football game prize pack. This one is uh, near and dear to me because I thought he should have won yesterday. Okay, uh, what we learned, football emoji. Trying to win a WWL contest reminds me of playing apples to apples. Every time I think I have something clever, funny, or something that speaks to the person who decides the winner, in this case, Andy, I am met with the sore reality that I have no idea what that person is thinking. At this point, I'll say anything. I love cereal, the most underrated, any time of day meal. Uh, your band was the best of all bands. The show has one significant pillar who holds the whole thing up, the name of that pillar, Andy. I also don't know who John McEnroe is. Fuck. <laughs> So Plop, Plop should have won yesterday. He had three really good uh, submissions, all to win the big football game prize pack. We have a serious show. Plop should have won yesterday. It and was then, a sentence that was just... Yeah, Plop, well, here's Plop another, should have won yesterday. Yeah, and then Plop sucked up to Andy. And he won today. Yeah. Okay. All right, congratulations to Plop. I'm sure you'll be welcomed at a restaurant. Who won the Leafs tickets? Uh, yeah, what we learned, ticket emoji. I learned over the last two weeks that the Canucks are for real, and it's time for fans in Rogers Arena to up their game just like the team has and fill that place full of positive energy. Dan in Poco. You know what? A very earnest text. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of the time we'll give the um, – the reward to someone who makes us laugh with yeah. irony or sarcasm, but no more. We are on board with this Canucks team, and we we earnestly want everyone to go to that arena on this five game home stand and cheer them on because they deserve it. We are. What are you laughing at? <laughs> in a very befitting development for the Halford and Breff show in our audience, a lot of people are asking what what's the answer to two plus two times two. Oh my god. <laughs> Why was there a skill testing question? <laughs> Some people are like, wait, what's the answer? Six. Two times two is four. You do that first, and then you go two plus two. The sheer volume of people that are asking, instead of, you know, figuring it out. Don't you go two plus two is four, then you times it by two, so it's eight? Do you know what bed mass stands for? I I did when I was So you listened to that whole thing, and you you still did the Kessler answer. Yeah, two plus two, so it's four, then times two is eight. Bed mass. No, you do the multiplication first. You actually, anything in brackets... Brackets. Uh, oh, I didn't see the brackets. Well, but, no, there are no brackets. But B is the right? first yeah, letter yeah, yeah. of bed mass, so that's brackets. Brackets, exponents, 
division, multiplication, addition, subtraction. Yeah, yeah, yes. Still there got go. it. Still got it. I could pass grade six. Mm-hmm. Lowly subtraction, left for last. <laughs> Always last. <laughs> so it's eight, right? It's six. <laughs> you know it's this, It's two right? plus four equals six. I'm afraid this isn't a bit anymore. Okay. <laughs> this is just you not getting mad. Chad and Kelowna with a what we learned. I learned that there is a Bizarro World Sad Club featuring teams paying in purgatory for previous historical success. The Cowboys, Leafs, Bulls, Pirates, Dolphins, Islanders, and Oilers that have spent multiple decades swirling in incompetence or playoff disappointment. I love this, what we learned. In fact, Chad sent it in yesterday. We didn't have time to get it, so I said, hey, send this again. Uh, send this in again. Chad didn't enter into the any of the contests, so that's why he didn't right. win, but... Yeah, all those teams, right? And who, which one comes up the most in your mind? I mean, the Oil, the Islanders had a dynasty, like four wins, four Stanley Cup wins in a row. Well, I was, I mean, the Leafs is the obvious one because it was '67. Like the Islanders were in the '80s, so there's a little bit more. Yeah, but the Islanders, the Islanders, like that was harder than, than any Stanley Cup the Leafs have ever won in the original six. Right, the Islanders were legit, and they went to five straight finals because they. Ended oh, hold up- on, hold on, hold on. The, the point of the text is talking about the futility since the glory years. Yeah, right. So I would say the one that is most prevalent in Canada is because the drought sure, in Toronto sure, yeah. is so long. Right. Yeah. Um, what are some other teams? Cincinnati, like they had the big red machine. Yep. I'm thinking, God, look at how long it's been since Dallas has done it. The, the Cowboys, mm-hmm. right? Nine, they're, they're hanging their no, hat on No, but the Cowboys are in yeah, there. That's the Cowboys, Leafs, Bulls, Pirates. Uh, well, you know, because I saw that text yesterday, and I was trying to think, like, the sad club is the sad club, right? Like, it's cut and dry. You can never have You've won never a title. Won. Yeah. There might have to be another club entirely into, the like, the drought club or something like that. There's got to be a better mm-hmm. name for that. But uh, where you go, like, decades and decades and decades. Because there is something to be said for a fan base that has tasted success. Right. And or then, he hears stories from, like, their grandparents. Right. And then he's like, I know how good it can be. Mm-hmm. You'll never experience because the organization is trash now. But that So that's interesting. So, I mean, that's kind of the group that the Leafs are in right now. Right, especially with all the first round losses. Yeah, they beat Tampa Bay last year, but the majority of the first round losses. Uh, what we learned: the Eagles choked in massive fashion from starting the season ten and one to one and done. Fire Sirianni. I wonder what's going to happen in Philly. They look like they quit yesterday. Yeah, they did. Like I mean, there was a play where I think it was Kenneth Gainwell tried to cut back on a run and like reverse the field mm-hmm. and. Jalen Hurts, granted, he was injured. It looked like he could have thrown a block, and it looked like he had no interest in doing it whatsoever. He just like kind of flung his arm out. And then I think it was Levante David came in and made, and made a play. Anyway, the tackling, you brought it up earlier, mm-hmm. looked like they just were not into it whatsoever. Like I'm not surprised. Yeah, soon. it wasn't even cold. It was no. Tampa. It was totally fine. Yeah. You could have run around and tackled guys. They just didn't do it. I would not be surprised if Sirianni's down there just based on that. That's how bad it was. Uh, what we learned, it's not being discussed enough. But the Canucks have finally achieved proof of concept of how to successfully, quote-unquote, rebuild on the fly. And doing it in the cap freeze era makes it especially incredible. So I didn't think it could be done. Um, And I was in favor of more dramatic moves, and a lot of other people were, and other other people agreed with the rebuild on the fly, and they're looking good right now. What... What's going to be continually challenging for this management group, and I'm not saying they can't do it, it's just going to be continually challenging, is 
what happens next season. Like we've seen one and you know, we just talked about a one and done uh, Eagles in the playoffs, but like. I hope the Canucks aren't one and done as far as like this is their year and then they lose a bunch of the key components that made them successful and I'm talking about the depth pieces like a Dakota Joshua or a Teddy Bluger or you know some of the defensemen or you know whatever and then they have to pay Petey and they have to pay Hironek and maybe they say okay well you know what we're gonna have to trade Garland because he's been good for us, but he's expendable, and we can trade him now because his, like what happened his after the bubble up. run, like the team finally looked like it was starting to be yeah. good, and then, and then and they then, lost like everybody, yeah, yeah, and, pe- and people oh, will say, over again. and people will say, well, the cap is going to is like yeah, but so is the Oliver Ekman Larson buyout penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to get more and more challenging, which is then when I think we turn our sights more and more to the prospects that. The, the the Canucks have because when you think about it, this season hasn't really included like Hoaglander's played a I I think minor role in all this. I think it's been positive, but it's been a minor role in all of this. Um, they haven't really like the pieces that they brought in that have really helped. They're not their prospects. Yeah. They're like Bluger and Suter and, um, you know, Joshua was there, but he was originally a free agent. He wasn't drafted by the team. You totally remake the blue line. Noah Juleson has played somewhat a part of it, but again, a minor role compared to what Susie has done and Zadorov has done and, you know, Ian Cole has done and Philip Peronic has done. You know, eventually you're going to need to use your own prospects. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be as soon as next season. And in fact, Patrick Alvina said as much. Uh, Richard the Hay guy with a What We Learned hashtag WWE What We Learned. Congrats are in order to friend of the show, Peter Galindo, for his new job with Toronto FC. Yeah. Our good buddy, Peter Galindo, former Sportsnet soccer analyst. He's done. He's quit the journalism game. He has been hired as a performance analyst or performance analyst and, uh, what was the other role that he had? Technical advisor okay. on John Herdman's staff at Toronto FC. Oh, good for him. So he's done with journalism, which is probably a smart move. Done with us. Yeah. More specifically. We'll never have him on the show again. Anyway, shout out to Peter. Congrats, buddy. Um, Nick in the Valley, what I learned is that Baker Mayfield has literally gone from dud to stud. Am I wrong? These are the, a lot of dud words. The Canucks have used it a lot. Like, Tockett uses dud. JT yep. Miller used dud. He called the Columbus game a dud. And really, Laddie should be a lot quicker on these. Like, whenever we say the word dud. I don't have the drop. Well, the that's your that's your fault. You're fired. That's not good enough. Um, Nick in the Valley says, it took Baker Mayfield six long years to get here and to make Philly look terrible like that and basically make Sirianni cry. Huge confidence booster I now do i that. i don't have it verified or confirmed but there are reports out there that baker mayfield has rediscovered his swagger yeah he guys. took it from you because he rediscovered his swag her <laughs> you got the done <laughs> hey he looks just like you poindexter how's that That's for time holding the will well, flower about five minutes too late uh, baker mayfield was the dud for the cleveland browns and then someone else texted in uh, a Baker Mayfield, what we learn. Yeah, it's kinda, right here. Uh, oh, Greg, here. the professional mouse toucher. He was playing scout team defense for the Carolina Panthers last year. Now he just won a playoff game for a divisional yeah. rival. The Panthers are an inept franchise. Yeah. But that's awesome for Baker Mayfield because, look, I'm not suggesting that he would have just like quit and be like, I'm going to go live on my money. But he'd already made 
a lot of money it's by true. being the first overall pick and the contract that he signed. It was over, you know, $20 million in guaranteed money, but he hung in there and he kept working. He's not making a lot this season, but he's going to make a lot more next season wherever he ends up. Yeah, he'll never lose that money, but he did lose his swagger. You're so bitter about the Bucks, and I love it because I am now cheering for Tampa Bay, which means they're going to lose next week, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, the mental mind games that are at play at the Halford and Bruff Show. Okay, the music means we got to get out of here. Congrats to our winners. Thank you to all our listeners. We will be back tomorrow. Signing off for now, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.